is to live the white worm. Oi, it's a white worm a bit. Checking it up. Oi. Oi. That's oi. There's a uh, a white worm. It's a skull of some kind. Not not dinosaur by any means. Not like a worm you're thinking, like a, a worm, like a snake, a dragon. From the Anglo-Saxon theorem or virum. Virum. Or freedom. Freedom. Oh boy, what is this, episode 70? Lair of the White Worm. Are you saying layer? Lair? Lair. Lair? Sometimes, um, I I think I have a thing with that word. I remember this, I knew this person who kept saying, uh, layer cake. <laughs> and I thought they were saying layer cake, like layer of the white worm. I yeah. get those, for some reason, I can't, my, my brain, and I, I just get lost. You know, this is, a, you know, classic Chuck stuff here. This is a safe space. This is layer a safe space of the for white us worm. Layer. You say it for me. <laughs> no. Because okay, I, I, okay. I'm, I'm going to say it for my... real. Lair of the white worm. That's how I would say it. Say it again. Because you said Lara. <laughs> and, you know, I just. You're right. You're right. I did. Okay. Lair of the white worm. Okay. Lair of, lair of the white worm. Lair. It's a lair. I would normally say lair. Lair. <laughs> lair. Okay. I don't know what I fucking say. <laughs> All right. The point is, my biggest here, my biggest offense, and I know Jonesy okay. probably he, he, my friend Jonesy is too busy to listen to the show, but I would say the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> and you know what? God forbid somebody just like not move the tongue inside their mouth when they're I talking. Know. They can't That's just let my, it go. Right. So, thanks like, to him, I say Hulk now. Hulk, 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 Hulk. God. Lair of the white worm. Wow. Jonesy, uh, burgeoning speech therapist. I know, everybody's uh, everybody's got... Everybody's a speech therapist, Dale. Yeah. That's that old saying. It's, that's where it came from. Um, speaking of, Chuck... Um, I'm going to pivot this into what I've been doing with myself. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of uh, noticing pronunciations of things, I've I've started listening to Don Coscarelli's audiobook, Ooh. True Indie. Amazing. Okay? And before I talk about the book, I do want to say that there is a there's a chapter where he talks about um, you know so Stephen King and Bernie Wrightson did Cycle of the Werewolf. Um, which was started out as a, an actual calendar with Bernie's um, illustrations. And the story was, you know, once a month, the werewolf would come. And uh, But uh, Dino De Laurentiis had reached out to Don to see if he wanted to um, do something with it, write a screenplay on it. And Don Coscarelli says, werewolf werewolf and it's that's how it's pronounced right that i mean yeah. that's how it's spelled so you know you're reading you're you're narrating your own writing into yeah. a 
into a recorded form, you probably get super paranoid and there's nobody you can actually ask that would give you the right answer. So he says werewolf. He's saying, he's saying werewolf. Werewolf. Were wow. they there? Werewolf. Werewolf. Yeah. Wow. So it's very apropos of what we were just talking about. That's amazing. Jonesy, what do you have to say about that? I mean, we were just talking off air too. Uh, I, I've been saying uh, Vangelis uh, oh. for the amazing Greek musician. Um, amazing. But apparently it's Vangelis. Right. So what are you going to do? Right. So, t- you know, here we are, warts and all. Oh, here, here, here's another uh, bowl of feces for you to eat, Chuck. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Right. Yeah. No, I don't need a napkin. Yeah, slurp it up, idiot. Here, do you have any straws? <laughs> Dale, one time I went to Canada. Oh, okay. And I ordered yeah. <laughs> I ordered an apple juice at a cafe. You know, it was just a bottle of apple juice. I saw it in the thing behind the guy. Yeah. He hands it to me and he goes, would you like some straws? And I said, excuse me? He said, would you like straws? And I was like, yes. I would. Guy hands me two straws for my apple juice. I was alone. I didn't have anyone with me. It wasn't like a romantic thing. Yeah. It wasn't like sharing the apple juice. But I guess this is, this is my way of saying, is is there a thing in Canada where you use two straws at once? I think there were smaller straws. Like they weren't. They weren't like the <laughs> McDonald's full size. They were like... But they weren't like coffee stirs. They're like in between. They were like straws. They were like, uh, you know, you go to the grocery store and buy a bag of straws. They were like those. Uh, no, smaller than those. Oh, God. Okay. This is what I'm Where saying. Does it end? <laughs> um, <laughs> Where does it end? I bet you, you know what I bet you it was? I bet you it was this guy's problem solving so maybe it wasn't, you know, a Canadian yeah. thing, or maybe it wasn't that particular convenience store thing. It was, this is the guy that's going to solve your problem because he's aware of the straw size. That's it, Dale. You figured he, it out. I, this cafe that's my guess. accidentally ordered the wrong size straws. That's what they did. Yeah. And right. so this guy, he instead of all these Quebecois coming up to him complaining that his straws are too small. He's just giving out two straws at once. The, Problem does, solved. It, there's nothing more to me said, to be said about it. All right. That's Thank it. You. That's like a, maybe a 15 year mystery I've been uh, dealing with. Mm-hmm. Thank you. This guy's probably district manager now. Regional <laughs> manager. Of the cafe. Of that, of, of the cafes, cafe. plural. Oh, yeah. Okay. Layer of the white worm. (laughs) But aside from that, True Indie is the name of Don's book. And it's pretty amazing so far about how, you know, he got kind of his start in the biz and he's been trying to do it. I I got, I'm up and I'm up to him starting to put together the team for Phantasm 2. But the takeaway I have so far in Don's career is he's been, you know, he's amazing obviously mm-hmm. at what he does and he sort of got right place right time with having the right people around him to put him on a path of filmmaking and and put into uh, 
put into situations where he was very lucky to be with the people he was with at the time and, and met the right people to kind of propel his career forward. But also, you know, listening to a book like this, I almost like, I want to, I want to scream and say, stop, Don, you're going too fast. You know, it's like, you're going too fast for me. You're not talking about something that's clearly you glanced over because you've lived this, you know what I mean? So it's like, I want, I want more info and that's, you know, I guess that's the kind of the good thing or the bad thing. But, you know, I, I do that a lot with people's stories when they're telling their own stories about like, I want to shake you down and interview you to get every last drop until I'm, I'm absolutely feeling the same feeling that you felt, (laughs) you know, when you were experiencing it, you know, I want to like put myself in, but, uh, but that's through no, that's not Don's fault. That's my fault for being like that. But, um, it's cool to hear his stories through his eye in Hollywood. And he's not, you know, I don't want to knock the guy, but he's had, you know, kind of like up until that point, he's had a, a great career, but it hasn't been like, you know, through interferences of other people, he hasn't been like at the top of the charts because out of, because of things out of his control, right? Producers, mm-hmm. money men, that kind of thing. Like his creative visions have been stymied at times and even talks about that in the book where, you know, to this day, he thinks about whether he thinks, he, he questions whether he made the right moves on certain things or not. Like Beastmaster, I mean, we did the Beastmaster back in January, and we, you know, we poured our love over it. But to this day, he questions whether, you know, there was a there was a day on set where he almost quit and walked away, but um, the stunt director talked him into it and it talked him into staying and he says to this day he still doesn't know whether he made the right decision or not yeah didn't he almost get fired too and the cinematographer stood up for him he said if you yeah. fired if you fired don i'm leaving right and that 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 was uh kubrick's cinematographer yeah um uh, that that stood up for him and you know to like so but for don to put that in but it just be like one or two sentences is just like man like this but it, is what yeah. you know this is me making decisions about what i did in community college when i was 19 you know what i mean <laughs> it's like i think about that but on my level but this is don coscarelli thinking about doing effing beastmaster for his third movie yeah yeah you know yeah i mean it really hammers home the point that movies are basically miracles uh because I mean, this is not, I'm not like revealing any trade secrets, but yeah, there's just, you know, making a movie, there's so many, uh, opinions, there's so many moving parts. There's just, you know, there's money, there's Mm -hmm. assholes, there's nice people. (laughs) And, you know, and I imagine as a director, you're kind of, you know, with other than the money men and the producers above you, you're sort of the one tasked with keeping this train going and yeah. And it's just, it's just like. It seems like it's just a daily battle of like, mm-hmm. of compromise and what to fight for, you know, and, and yeah, and and Don, you know, Don paints himself to be, and I, I genuinely think that Don's a really nice guy, but he even says, you know, especially more earlier in his career, you know, he's just super gullible. So when it came time to edit Beastmaster, you know, the producer, the the money guy, kind of sat in with him. And that basically just 
you know, they kind of, he, you know, the money guy used it as a way of like, he wanted to collaborate with Don yeah. when they were editing the two things, but still it was just like, he totally, you know, got himself fired because he does he, he wasn't needed anymore. Yeah. It, during that fact, but to, to be able to, you know, to, to like, you're the one putting everything, pouring your heart and soul and com- you know, like bringing all these pieces together, but then it's ripped away from you, you know, after photography's done, you know, it's just, yeah. and like, I feel for Don because up until this point, that's kind of what it was from the very beginning. And it's not like he almost didn't get a sample or a taste of, you know, like, uh, you know, Raimi and Bruce Campbell and those guys doing the first evil dead or those, mm. his super eights where they just, they raised all the money and they did everything. Uh, Don Coscarelli's oh, yeah. first movie was he shot most of the movie and then it was immediately put in touch with Sid Sheinberg, like president of Universal Pictures. Mm-hmm. And Sid screened his first movie <laughs> and was like, I'm going to give you five times your existing budget to finish the movie, you know, but yeah. that, at that, but then, you know, that sets you on the path where immediately creative decisions are kind of taken out so yeah, you never I mean, to experience like, the taste of yeah it's like it's yeah to be faced with that like at such a young age I mean it's like you know it's like yeah it's a monkey's paw almost and he was he was 19 for the yeah. first first movie doing work for Sid Sheinberg like face to face you know it's it was how's his tone how, what's his tone like like in the writing is he does he sound bitter you know, that's the thing he, and I don't know if it's because he's just reading into a microphone, reading his book. He doesn't sound bitter, but you can s- tell from inflections, like he's still, when he's reading the words on the page, he's like reliving mo- certain moments. And he he seems like still, I don't want to say unsettled because I don't want to speak for him, but he's like, things remain unanswered. And he I don't know if he's sh- ever sure that... Sure. There's like certain things that will have peace. Such as life, Dale. I know, man. It's like, he's just like everybody else. He's exactly. Super interesting book though. That's cool though. That's what I've been. Yeah. I'm, I've been enjoying, uh, living through you reading that and getting the juicy bits from you. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Um, what was that first movie he did? What was his first movie? That Sid Sheinberg saw? Uh, it was, he originally called it story of a teenager, but it, it was then renamed Jim, the world's greatest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember researching that. Yeah. Did you ever? Did you ever go back? Did you ever find that? Is that available? Can you watch that thing? It is not available. I checked. I don't. I honestly don't know. It might be just on YouTube. Sure. Um, I don't know, but it was not available, and neither was. Um, He's got Kenyan a bunch of company. movies that I've wanted yeah. to see. What's that one he did? Um, you probably haven't gotten to it in the book yet. But for some sur- reason, I've had it on my watch list. Survival Quest. For Survival some reason, Quest. I am very interested to see this. <laughs> yeah. So that literally just today, he started talking about it today on the ride into work. Oh, cool. uh, that movie is on YouTube and I started watching it at lunch, but uh, I started watching it on YouTube at lunch, but then I got pulled away and I didn't get a chance to go back to it. So I was so close to watching it during my lunch hour though. I mean, this cast, Dale, Lance Hendrickson, Catherine Keener, and Dermot Mulroney. Yeah. Catherine Keener's first movie, and he said that she was just like, 
completely charming and charismatic and like power she held so much you know like power oh wow and oh, she was so awesome. like meager but she had this, this confidence as a as a first time actor it's amazing when you meet people like that yeah who are like so young and they're just like already there <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing yeah so uh he we just got to that uh chapter today but it's survival funny quest. because, you know, he just devotes two quick chapters of the book to, sur- you know, uh, Survival Quest. It's like, wait a minute. No, you made this whole movie that took a year of your life. How can we just spend two chapters of a book on it? Like, wow. we need to talk about this, Don. You know, but you yeah. know, I get it. But. Wow. Yeah. That's so. cool. That's awesome. Keep us updated. Will do. Will do. Good old Don. He's 67 years old. Bless him. Bless his heart, man. One of the greats. Well, I spent some more money, Dale. Talk to me, baby. Today I pre-ordered Severin's full car box set. Oh, Chuck, are you talking about that uh, box set that I pre-ordered as well? (laughs) You did? (laughs) Oh, man. I hope Uh I wasn't. I hope I didn't push you over the edge. Yeah, right. Like you hope you could, <laughs> you could uh, hope in one hand and poop in the other, Chuck. <laughs> All the haunts be ours, Dale. A compendium of folk horror. This thing, they were teasing this thing. And I just didn't, I mean, because if you, if you Google folk horror, everyone only mentions Wicker Man, Blood and Satan's Claw, and mm-hmm. is it Witchfinder? Those are the three. Everyone's like, yep, that's the list. That's it. So all said and done. Yeah. We're done. Pack it up. But apparently that is untrue when you open your mind and you have film experts out there in the world. <laughs> Thank God. Because <laughs> there's like 20 movies in this thing, not counting those three. Like they're not even in it. Um, I think there's a bunch of short films in this. Uh, yeah. It's full car from around the world, basically. I've even, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to say that. Um, but yeah, this thing, I was surprised how quickly I bought this. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was like, I need to find a way ASAP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to find a way to pre-order this. And I found a way. Life found yeah. a way. Anna Gould dropped the, uh, mm-hmm. the bloody disgusting story about it. Because I was already talking about it and then... And then it was like, hey, it's out. And there was this huge article on, I think it was Bloody Disgusting. Uh, yeah. And they just list, you know, they got the goods straight from Severin, disc mm. by disc. And I'm just reading these titles and these descriptions. And, you know, some of these I have on my watch list and they're not easy to find. Um, and I was just like, oh, God, I got to get, this is a, this is great. <laughs> yeah. There's so many movies in this that, and they all sound really, really interesting. And and they you know I gotta say I don't know if you could call Lair of the White Worm full car but I think definitely watching that this week helped sell me on this box set. Yeah, I think uh, yeah I think you're right about that just because it's um it's set in an English countryside. There's you know a lot of um Scotch Scottish music in it. You know with the and it's, I think it just put us in the mood to yeah kind of like. Of a of an ancient giant skull. I mean, that's yeah, like, 
right there. It's like modern day, modern day, like uh, like you're watching a the a movie take place on the the site of a Ren fair or something with the white worm, and you know, I just wanted, to, I just want more of that. And I mean, twenty folk horror movies is just incredible. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, and and it's coming, and it's sort of like built around this documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're also releasing in this uh, Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched um, by Kira Janice, who is, I mean, I'm super, you know, I'm, I've been wanting to read her book, uh, House of Psychotic Women, for years because every, <laughs> every podcast <laughs> mentions it. Um, it's supposed to be like sort of the, the end all be all of like horror critique. Mm. Um, but I just can't, I have ADHD, Dale. I, it's, it's hard for me to read, right? Yeah. Dude, yeah, you can't, you can't do that. Now, if she, if she recorded a, a, an audiobook version, like Don Coscarelli did, that might, that might mm-hmm. change, change the, I mean, I, I did finally order a copy because <laughs> I was like, I need, I at least need it in front of me to at least give it a try. Um, but yeah, but there, but she did a documentary all about folk horror and this is going to be included in that. Which you can buy separately uh, if you don't want to take the plunge mm-hmm. of all these movies. But yeah, I couldn't resist. Pretty happy about that too. And that uh, comes out in December. So uh, plenty of, t- well, I can't, I don't know if there's, there's a, what, 4,000 copies. It's limited to 4,000 copies. So if you guys listen to this, mm, yeah. reserve it, you know, because I can't promise we're doing 20 of these movies for Bat and Spider, <laughs> but we might do one or two yeah it's it's i mean just even if you just go just go look this up and read the descriptions of the movies oh and seven also put out like a 10 minute video on their youtube of footage from every movie and stuff and it's like watching that i sat there and watched the whole thing i was like uh yes please please yes okay yes yes (laughs) they also put out uh, they released like what an ultra long podcast about it too Oh, okay. God. Yeah, that hit today. Yeah, I'm, that's mm-hmm. going to take over my life. And they're also a big shout is... out to. Um, sorry, what were you going to say, Dale? Uh, you know, t- their podcast is like a number one. Uh, you know, like if you listen to that podcast, you'll just your your muscles will act involuntarily and start pre-ordering things from Severn because they do such oh. a great job at selling what. It must be what it's what like they being love. like a, a middle-aged housewife watching QVC. Like you're just <laughs> like, you, you, you can't resist. Right. Yeah. And that's like, I, I resisted listening to that show for a while. Cause I was like, is that, is it just going to be like, it's just like a sales pitch or whatever. But it, I mean, it, it is, but it's the best kind. It's not like, it doesn't feel yeah. like you're listening to an ad at all, but it, it certainly does make you buy more movies. <laughs> right. It's in, like, in it's more of possible. a, it's more of like their journey, their documentary on how they put together the movie and the special yeah. features f- outside of the actual special features themselves that's on the, the, the disc. It's like, this is what we went through to put all this together for you. And you please, you know, have the pleasure of f- benefiting from the fruits of our labor. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that, yeah, that's what I love about it. I'm glad they had this in the, in ready to go. Cause they had that, uh, upset of uh, 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 Drop Dead Fred getting taken away from them out of nowhere. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean they don't they don't seem too upset 
because I guess someone else is going to release it, but maybe all that work that they probably did for that will still right. see the light of day. So they're probably not too upset. Uh, oh, but also leading up to this, uh, one of my favorite podcasts, Live at the Death Factory, their most recent episode talked about one of the movies uh, that's in this set, Penda's Fen by Alan Clark, which I had on my list in it. And just listening to them talk about it and they talked, and I think one of the hosts had seen the documentary too, probably at a festival or something. Um, but yeah, it was like, yeah, that was like a fan fest or something. Oh, was recently. It, it, it was almost like a, a coordinated PR thing <laughs> centered at my brain, but I don't think, I don't know if any of these things were like coordinated. <laughs> I think it just w- sort of happened this all this week. 1988's Lair of the White Worm, directed by Ken Russell, Altered States' Ken Russell. Chuck, what is this movie about? A giant white snake lives underneath an English estate, and its keeper, Lady Sylvia Marsh, searches for a virgin to feed the big worm while a group of intrepid locals try to figure out what all the strange stuff that's happening around is all about uh and they end up battling lady marsh and her giant white worm that's basically it um but dale did you know this was a a bram stoker novel this was like the last thing he wrote i did yeah and um ken russell i think had some problems with the original material and how it wasn't as uh, fully fledged fully fleshed out as like dracula so yeah, I was reading about had to be done. It seems like a book that is like literary people make fun of, like book people, <laughs> like because apparently it's it's like really badly done. And I, I think maybe it was because Stoker was old and he just like didn't have it anymore. Like, there's good ideas, but he couldn't like follow it through or something. Um, I actually I did read the whole. I mean, I'm not going to read a book, Dale, but I read the plot summary on Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, like, look, you're a human. Yeah, it's pretty different, but it does. But Russell keeps, you know, the skeleton. Okay. Um, but there's like a lot of characters that are in that book that are not anywhere in here, and um, yeah, and and it's kind of cool how he adapted some things, uh, uh, for the modern times, um, from the way they happen in that in the book but but yeah it's uh yeah and it's also i mean it it, not only that is that there's also a the lambton the lambton worm is a legend um from uh count county durham in like the northeast of england about basically about a, a dragon and it's and it's basically the thing they recount in this movie um like oh the local knight slays the dragon uh, well, no, first he finds it, he, he like, he's fishing and he finds, uh, it's like a small eel, mm-hmm. um, and someone points to him and says, that thing's the devil. And he throws it somewhere and he throws it down a well. Seven years later, it grows up into this dragon that starts eating people in the town. So he has to slay it. Well, and they actually recount this whole thing in the, that opening, uh, part, that early parting party scene with like the the Celtic rock band playing. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Yes. 
It was John Dampton couldn't tell But he didn't like the look of it So he threw it down a well ha! Now the worm got fat and growed And growed an awful size With great big teeth and a great big mouth And great big goggle eyes And when it not- And all the lyrics, like, it's all on Like, those are straight from, like the old, I don't know what you call that. What did they call it? Like the old legend song. Yeah, is that like a prose or is that like, um, yeah, it's like, like a, a ballad? Yeah, it was written in 1867, passed down from, uh, you know, oral histories. So who knows how old it is. But, but yeah, that like, they took like a bunch of the verses from it and adapted into that song. <laughs> <laughs> that Celtic rock song was just that for for me it helped firmly establish that this movie was going to have some uh you know some glib to, it's going it's going to have some like cheek to it. I knew yes. I was in for some fun based on that alone and I god I want that song <laughs> burned. I want to I want to be at Ren Fair or somewhere and I want to buy these guys CD at the front of the stage <laughs> yes because of this song i i lo- i was so mad i scrolled through the credits so many times looking for a song credit and there's nothing up there i was like what what the f and i guess maybe because the song is such an old song they didn't have to like you know give any publishing credit but like it could have been like hey this is the band that played it or whatever yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure that information's out there. I just didn't really look hard, but um, yeah, I think maybe Corey was trying to tell us that in Discord. I'm not sure, but <laughs> well, you can lead a horse to water, Dale. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, oh, but, but yeah, this. I mean, that's the whole. Th- I mean, the, the the cheekiness you brought up, Dale. This I was not. I wasn't sure what to expect from this movie because I'm not super well watched Ken Russell guy. Um, but I was, the cheekiness surprised me and I was mm-hmm. very happy about it. I was like, man, you could, I mean, it's not, re- I mean, it's, it's a horror movie, but it it's funny. And once you like, once you like get the rhythm and it's very like fast paced, like I don't know shit about Oscar Wilde, but apparently this feels like the way the dialogue's written it, kind of feel like people say it was like an ode to Oscar Wilde. Um, it, and it, and the, all the, the talking is like this very, there's a lot of dialogue and it's like it's got this fast rhythm and, mm-hmm. uh, and everything. There's all these like puns being thrown around. <laughs> yeah. Like, it felt, it felt like, um, it felt like hot fuzz. It was, it was like mm. an Edgar Wright movie or something, yeah. especially specifically hot fuzz. Um, you know, when the, uh, like most of the police force are like trading barbs back and forth and they're like having conversations. It's, uh, it's very much like that in a great way. Yeah. And it's like, and there's so much like, it's so sexual too. 
<laughs> like mm-hmm. they, they lean so far into that. Like, like, yeah, it's a white worm. It's a penis. Like, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like, you know, yeah. yeah, you could be, you could probably look silly making, you know, making a joke at the title of this movie. And then you put it on, you're like, oh yeah, they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. I don't know if I, we want to get too far into what I was expecting versus what was on the screen. Cause I don't know what I was expecting. I was, yeah. I think I was ex- expecting something a little more, um, gothic and serious in nature. Yeah. But, and I was expecting a period piece. What we got was a, a, an, a movie set in England in 1988, frankly. Mm-hmm. And with a, with a cast of like what with Hugh Grant, like playing Hugh Grant, um, I was yeah. like, I couldn't fathom picturing Hugh Grant in this and what kind of role he would play. But, you know, I also didn't know what the cast of characters were going to be like in this movie. But to see Hugh Grant play the character he played, I really, I mean, I, he really like, for whatever reason, his, you know, he was like baron of this town or, or whatever yeah. you want to call it in 88, <laughs> you know, all those years ago. But, I mean, he just played it up. He, he, in interviews since he basically like th- he he has I, I guess hatred for this movie or at least he didn't know how to um how he should play the character because of the the time frame and the way the movie was was set but he's he basically played it as like this playboy rich playboy character and it doesn't do anything to hurt the movie I loved it I loved him <laughs> I thought yeah. he was really great. So do I, and I don't understand, you know, and maybe he's still confused to this day because he just went, he just went with his gut because he wasn't getting any direction on what the character was supposed to be. But, you know, I really loved his character in this movie. And he was, I I mean, and I, just by looking at the thumbnail alone, I thought he was going to be like one of the bad guys, right? He's going to be like a rich, snobby, worm uh, underling. But he was like one of the heroes, which I liked because there wasn't just one uh one hero in the end there was like a group of people from this village trying to do right and save the village from certain doom from um yeah because it's like because like his ancestors slayed the worm the the dragon or the snake whatever it is so you're kind of like oh he's gonna be the one who gets to slay the worm it's his it's his uh his destiny almost and he does help but but he's not the one who slays it which is kind of cool which um, is which is very cool because especially when he when uh you know the whole movie as he plays it you're not like this is not like leading hero swings the sword kind of guy right like he's a great person and he never flips or comes succumbs to the the power of the worm right but yeah uh you know i think the driving force really are the two sisters and especially meg mm-hmm. uh is that is that her name meg uh, mary mary is that Mary? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, Mary is the is one, the Eve? sister who's not being sacrificed. Even Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mary's the yeah, Mary's the like sort of the main one. Totally smitten with this with Mary. Totally oh, yeah. smitten. Yeah. Man. She was alive. fantastic. And she delivered her lines like like thick English accent, but it was almost like watching an old like 40s, you know, uh what do you call those? types of movies you know with the fast talking you know i, I forget what that's called like a oh, i don't know <laughs> like a slapdash Tra- comedy is that what it's called i don't know yeah 
Right. But but I yeah, she it. she's fantastic. Peter Capaldi's playing like one of her boarders who's a I guess he's sort of like an amateur archaeologist and he's just yeah. digging up her yard. <laughs> yeah, there's no like credentials, there's no mission. Yeah. There's no he's reason got, he's doing it. Got that amazing head of hair. Oh man. Peter Capaldi, you hunk. Man. Could you imagine just walking around with that hair helmet on? Just like yeah, like you don't have to do anything to it. It just puffs up. Yeah, it's like look at My, this. I'm a lion. Just a lion walking around here. Like if killed. he's down the pub, he's you know he's talking oh. archaeology and he's getting people buying him drinks. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Let me tell you about this giant snake skull I just uh, dug up. Yeah, yeah, and people are just glued <laughs> to his stories. <laughs> Um. Yeah, that that's how this whole thing starts. Is Peter Capaldi digs up this amazing skull out of the out of the yard, and also a, a like an old mosaic of a cross with a white snake wrapped around it. Um, and as soon as this happens, it just it's like a chain reaction. It's like he unearthed evil, and things are just mm-hmm. gonna happen. All of a sudden, Lady Sylvia Marsh shows up in town, who owns like the estate next door um and she's back early she's usually she usually you know comes back later in the year but she's back early and uh dale how about um what's her name amanda donahoe her performance as lady sylvia marsh the snake woman yeah holy shit this was this was a woman who just said i am going to own this role and have the greatest bit of fun yeah like I, I just I am so impressed with what she did for this mm-hmm. character. Yeah, she played it with this like edge of seriousness but playfulness at the same time, and she like she danced on this razor thin oh, yeah. blade, you know. And the fact that you know she was she has a, a bit of prominence, especially in the TV world around this time, but. She went for it. Like, she went to own this character who is, you know, uh, nude half the movie and blew a quarter of the movie. And, you know, she has snake fangs. And Mm -hmm. she just owned this role to... Yeah. And even when she's doing, like, silly, like, things that, like, if you read them in the script, you'd be like, wait, what? Like, she gets charmed by... uh, a guy playing a harmonica and because she's like <laughs> a snake woman, she can't yes. help but do this dance, you know, like she's being, uh, in a, put in a trance by the music cause she's a snake <laughs> and it's like, but she does it. So what you can't take your eyes off of her cause it's, but you're not like, like, I mean, you're kind of laughing cause it's silly, but you're also like, yeah. this is amazing. Right. Like I want to know why she's compelled <laughs> to <I> do know. <laughs> that. Cause, and and it's like, is she doing this voluntarily? Is she just decided to like bust? That's a move? what's cool about it, because like yeah. the first time it happens, you don't know exactly what you don't know if she, she it's involuntary or not. Like, <laughs> right? Until she like rips the harmonica away, she's like, you know, I'm not really into that. Yeah, when he music. stops playing it, she like snaps out of it and then snatches that harmonica. She, she comes out of a basket. <laughs> yeah. With her arms in like this snake pose. <laughs> God. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. She's my hero. She's my hero too. 
Jeez. She's our hero. Apparently, Tilda Swinton turned that role down. Yeah. How about that? Her loss. Yeah, I could see, I mean, I could see this, the lady Sylvia Marsh in, in a Tilda type role, but it certainly wouldn't have had the same. No. Yeah. She probably would have done a good job, but wouldn't have been yeah. the same. Um, but God, let me, let me look at my notes. Let me, let me try. Um, bup, bup, bup. yeah. Anyway, let's get down to some of the things that happen in this movie. Dale. I think the first thing that I sat up and I said, I love, I, I Chuck Forsman, I love this movie and I want everyone to know it is when Lady Sylvia sneaks into the, the, the little house to steal the, the snake skull and on her way out, her fangs come out and she sprays venom out of green venom out of her mouth onto a crucifix that's hanging on the wall. And right then and there you had little Chuck, uh, just a puddle. I was a puddle. I couldn't believe that shot. And it's so quick and so sudden. You're just like, it's like you get slapped in the face. (laughs) Like, Hey nerd, pay attention. We're going to do some stuff. Yeah. Because usually, you know, the big reveal that maybe this lady is a snake woman, maybe not, you get at the last 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. This is 10 minutes in, 18 minutes in. And she's, you're like, whoa, she's a snake. And these fangs that are like, they're oh, impractical. They're, the best, they're, they're the best fangs. They're the best fangs. They can't even close their mouths when they have Bar these fangs. Bar none. <laughs> and this green, green mm-hmm. venom that's just spraying, just... Like a yeah, like it's gleaming. a comedy routine with like <laughs> fake throw up on SNL, you know? Yeah. Just spraying onto this cross. And then and then uh is it Eve comes home? She sees the state of this cross hanging on her wall, goes to touch it, and Dale, I <laughs> Again the movie uh slap me around. Horde. Slap me <laughs> around right in the face. And said, "We're gonna we're gonna play the audio of a shotgun blast, and Eve's gonna go straight into. She's gonna black out, go straight into this insane hallucination, uh, where we we have Jesus Christ on the cross, uh, a white snake eating his arm. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Roman soldiers raping topless nuns. We have the snake woman just skulking around, laughing, and everything's in flames. And it's all done in this like." <laughs> weird chroma chroma key thing where it's like it's like that weird blue screen thing and it almost yeah. looks like laughable like they did it on like live television um but it it's so shocking and just out of nowhere you're just like oh my god holy shit what is happening yeah especially when the rest of the movie like the print is so clean yeah and beautiful this this almost looks like it was on purpose for whatever reason it, uh, the chroma key aside, it was just like shot on video quality yeah. of this this nightmare. I like and it. I, I mean, I, yeah, I liked it, but it, I I mean, it was it was insane. I mean, it was just insanity. It was insane. And I'm and I at first I was like, are these soldiers? You know, uh, you know. I mean, it's like yeah. holy shit, they're fucking. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're raping all these wit. Like I was yeah, like, this horrifying. is a scene, man. This is a effing scene yeah and poor innocent eve like is just get it's just like a pure she touches this venom and it's just like 
a supernatural uh, video feed of things that she would have yeah. never, ever wanted to see in a million years. <laughs> just going straight into her head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, here's some psychological she, damage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, it's something she'll never be able to escape or es- escape yeah. from again. It's in, it's part of her. <laughs> um, God. Yeah. And like, Oh, t- Dale, uh, uh, it's a word of advice. If a snake lady ever uh, comes up next to you while you're hitchhiking <laughs> and asks if you <laughs> if you want to ride, don't yeah. take it. And take she the- oh, and she says she's out snake watching. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. That's a sign. <laughs> no matter how tempting it sounds, don't get in the car. Just don't. Try not to get in the car. Okay. Try. Do your best. Right. We're all weak-willed men around here, but <laughs> please. But how about this? What was he? Was he like a a scout? He looked like a boy scout, but I don't know. Yeah, it was like, um, yeah, it was, a, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was an English boy scout, whatever the uh, yeah, equivalent is know. or something. He's like a is. ranger. <laughs> but she just picks this poor kid up. And I mean, it's before you realize that she's like looking for a virgin. And but then later makes sense. It's like, oh, that's why she picked up this nerd boy, <laughs> right? And uh, yeah, and she's just like saying all these sexual innuendos, and he's like, he's kind of picking up. I don't think he's actually picking up on any of. It. <laughs> he's just so dumb. I know. I was like, um, dude, this is your chance. I mean, if you're going to yeah. go out, this is a way <laughs> which to go is out, all the more. Which is all what what makes the harmonica scene even funnier because he's the one who plays his harmonica and she has to do her little snake dance. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> and she rips play, it out of his hand. Yeah, he plays a he plays a harmonica with with uh with her in her bra and underwear and they're playing snakes and ladders like <laughs> in front of the fireplace. This is how yeah. this is how clueless you are, dude. Yeah. And then she puts him in a giant bath and. Uh, I guess she bites him at that point. So then he becomes, so there's this whole, there is like a bit, this is a, a, a Bram Stoker story. So there's kind of a vampirism at work. It's not like your classic Dracula vampire. It's like, it's more, it seems like it's more about mesmerism, like sort of like it's mm-hmm. very focused on the controlling a person and turning them into like an automaton or whatever. Um, basically leaving them helpless, you know? And yeah, Lady Marsh can just tell them to do whatever. And it's it's not really about I guess does she eat does she drink blood? I'm trying to remember. I don't even think she drinks blood, no. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's more like a yeah, it's like a a serpent vampirism. Um But ultimately she is like the uh the vanguard for so as bad as she is, she's just She's just there to collect a virgin sacrifice for the actual white worm, yeah, the Dampton worm, who Which lives find, under, yeah, who lives yeah. underground under her uh, mansion, yeah, and she is there to make sure, you know, to clear the runway, make sure there's no suspicion. She'll turn the cops if she has to. She will uh, find the virgin sacrifice, and that. That's that's her, you know, job is like right hand. She's the, she's the you know, like I said, 
50 times already. She's the right hand of the worm. <laughs> she's what the a, silver oh, surfer. Stop talking, Dale. Yeah, she's a silver surfer. Um, so, you know, her job is to just lure uh, virgins in and, and well, are you there? Yeah. Okay, my uh, my monitor just, my other monitor just went black. Oh. I think we're okay. I think it was just the monitor for some reason. Um, I lost my train of thought, though. I know that. Uh, um, and, and you know, people in town start to suspect her. It's a, it's a, in the, it's, a, a, amidst the insanity is a very, you know, um, it's a, is a plot you can follow. It's not something insane. It's a plot you've seen before in other things, you know, the coming of, uh, of a God or the coming of, yeah. uh, uh, of some, of a being all powerful. And, um, you know, it's up to uh, our townsfolk to fight against this. Yeah, I liked it because it is—it's like a whodunit story, but you kind—but you kind of know who it is the whole time. Like you know, Lady Sylvia is up to something, even though the snake reveal comes later in the movie. But all the shit that's happening are like, yeah, the snake is probably real. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, and it's a hoot it's to cool. watch. So like, yeah, yeah, it's a—it's—it's it's just a hoot to see. You know, Sylvia Marsh is up to no good, but what is she going to do next? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And and it's great. It, and it's great watching. And the whole thing, it, like st- the, the whole, the first mystery that starts is like even Mary's parents go missing like the year before and they've never been found. And all of a sudden her dad's pocket watch shows up in this uh, uh, mm-hmm. cave, this giant cave. And that's, that's the legendary cave that the white worm supposedly was in from the old town legend. Um, and this is sort of like, and this sort of triggers uh, a pretty awesome, uh, crazy dream in Hugh Grant's Hugh Grant's character on that that white ship yeah. he, ship he's on with all the characters in the movie playing like stewardesses and all this nutty what? stuff. <laughs> Dude, what is that? That was incredible that that made the movie, you know, that didn't like let end up in the cutting room floor because that's a kind of thing that you would hear uh, yeah. about like some, some part of a screenplay that was so fantastical that it just never was filmed. It was like a, uh, like crazy. Monty Python doing like a softcore porn st- sketch, like that whole yeah. thing. Like that scene where the when the girls start wrestling on the floor of the plane, and then it just cuts to the marker that Hugh Grant's holding, and he just <laughs> tips it up a little bit. God, it's yeah. Like, All right, okay. All right, yeah. But he wakes up, and his character is just like, he's just like, well, I'm convinced there's a giant mm-hmm. snake <laughs> in that cave, and I have to figure it out. It's um, time to fulfill my destiny. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of awesome, like, because he's, like, yeah. you don't really think much of him. He's, like, oh, he's just, like, a handsome, like, rich guy, you know, he can have mm-hmm. any girl he wants, whatever. And, you know, and he's he's charming enough, but then all of a sudden he has this, you know, he, his calling, and it's, like, oh, yeah. cool, all right, all right, Hugh Grant, let's do this thing. He has these funny <laughs> little, like, layers, you know, he's, like, yeah. a layered character in what you, what you see of him he's got like all these weird layers but ultimately he's you know he's a good person who totally. has this uh lineage that he has got to live up to apparently oh and how about his butler who stole the movie 
Oh my dude, I'm so glad you brought this him. guy. Oh my god, he was fantastic. <laughs> if you guys need to watch this movie just for the butler, yeah, I'm sure there's a supercut of just the butler scenes. But oh my god, this butler. Uh, oh, what was I thinking of? Um, <laughs> when he tell when you Grant tells him to lock up the maids, <laughs> and the way the butler repeats it to himself. <laughs> and he gives a slight smirk like basically at the camera he's like yeah lock up the maids (laughs) he's like or he says like unlock the front door and lock up the maids (laughs) like it was just this weird devious detail that didn't really have anything to do with anything yeah (laughs) just this look like his eyes kind of like smirk and glaze over like these are the kind of requests i deal with obviously I love movies like this, sex, pagans, folklore, and ancient monsters, expertly crafted and perfect in scope. It knows exactly what it is and loves it pretty dang perfect. Four and a half stars by Fungi72, Discord friend. Not wrong. Not wrong. Not wrong. I mean, this delivers... I mean, you could just write a list of all the things this movie delivers. How about that giant white worm dildo she has? That she straps to herself at the end during the sacrifice scene. I totally thought, like, to continue the dream sequence, I thought, like, we were about to get some raw dog. Like, they might not (laughs) show it, but they were going to imply that there was some real deal tusking about to happen. And, (laughs) like, in some weird, like, 1980s, like, yuppie, always working kind of, like, thing, it was just like, oh, no, we don't have time for this. We got to get right to the second. It was like, what? You know, this 10 second, (laughs) 10 second line just like ruins all the pomp and circumstance of what's about to happen. It was so (laughs) weird. But the implication, I was like, oh my God, is she about to like strap on, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, uh, oh God, how about one of the funniest scenes that wasn't like. It was very, from what I know about the English, it was a very English thing that happened when, when Eve goes missing and, or when she's, she's mesmerized and she calls up and says, Hey, I'm, I'm leaving town. I can't take the stress of the situation. I'm at the station or whatever. Yeah. So Mary calls the station and she has to have this conversation with like, I guess the work, the guy who's working at the station, like, because it's a small town, you know, she's like worried about. The safety of her her sister, like life and death. But this guy is like, oh, yeah, I was up at your place last week or last year. Yeah. Don't you remember me? You know, she has to go. And she just politely <laughs> goes through this whole conversation, even though it's like, yeah, yeah. it's like life and death. It's just very like, yeah. she has to be polite. And yeah, like, yes, yes, yes. Just like listen to everything this guy says, you know. <laughs> that's like, um, that's an example of what if you were listening to. Like one of our friends that lives in England or something mm-hmm. like that. That's like, that's very British of them. It sounds like yes. this, that's the commentary they would offer for that scene. Like, totally. that's very British of them. That's absolutely <laughs> what would have to go down before finding out anything. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love how, whenever everyone figures out it's like a snake cult situation. Like, I love when Hugh Grant's like, all right, I'm going to play 
uh, like Turkish uh, snake enchantment music on giant speakers on top of my house to lure Lady Sylvia my way. <laughs> and it works. And the way she, God, that scene of her walking like through the foyer mm-hmm. past that or like Roman uh, statue, that bust was I just could watch her do yeah. that move. Yeah. The way she mo- walked like a snake. It's just, it was unbelievable. Couldn't she was like it. shimmying her head. Like she was totally yeah. into us. Like, this is not real. This is not how, <laughs> how easy it can be. Yeah. And he's like bugging his butler. He's like, my father's record collection. It wasn't this in Turkish charm music. And this is not, this is snake charm music. But this is Turkish charm music. Yeah. I'm trying the B side. <laughs> And that was a, I did want to bring that up. This, I think that was um, in Bram Stoker's book. The one character hangs this giant, he has a giant kite flying above his house. I think it's like a sort of a scarecrow kite to keep the crows away or something like that. Or, to, or maybe it's to keep the snakes away. Because there's like, there's a lot more in the book about like snakes, like biting people and biting children mm. and stuff. Um, which they hint at a little bit in the, in the movie, but, but I like that they, they kind of used the speakers as sort of that same idea of like this giant thing up above, uh, sort of, uh, affecting the, the snake people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So it's like a reinterpretation or a, a modernization of the same idea. Yeah. And like in the, in the book, I think that like electricity in a storm strikes the kite and then it goes down. Mm. by a, a metal wire and blows up the worm at the end because there's like dynamite down there that they placed um uh yeah but uh what else happens oh oh man um how about when uh so eve and mary's mom is a lie well she's a vampire yeah, she shows up. Holy shit! I didn't, I wasn't prepared for that, and she no. shows up in Hugh Grant's house. And how about that? He takes that ancient sword off the wall. Yo, swings it, cuts her in half. She lands in two pieces. Yeah, and I mean, just the genius detail of of that sword being so heavy that Hugh Grant keeps spinning, and he falls into that drum set. Dude, it's <laughs> so funny. That was like, that was such a perfect take. And I don't know if that was meant to be or if it was the take was so good, but even though it wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. But that just goes to prove like what that sword was about. It's like a huge bastard sword. It was like seven, six feet long or something like absurd like that. It was beautiful. Yeah. And, it was and the way like, Hugh Grant had to, to whip it around with both hands using all the, his whole body, and he cuts the mom completely in half, like, at the waist, oh, and, you know, the mom's still alive like a worm. Yeah. Beautiful. So good. Yeah, I just loved, I loved it. It's like, like, in one, one swoop, it's, he's, like, doing this super heroic action, but it ends with him, like, clumsily falling into the drum set, and it's... Yeah. It yeah. just worked so well. It was so like great. The drum set that exists in his Playboy mansion. <laughs> yeah. It's like the drum set in his old living room of this castle. Uh, 
Babyface stars low budget, a wild premise, creatures, blood, possible lost religions, booby alerts, twists, turns. If it isn't a Bat and Spider movie, I don't know what anything means anymore. It's from uh, Grugrux Dave. Wow. Thanks, Dave. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Peter Capaldi, he gets to do so much at the end, too. He's like, he gets on his, he's like a, a Scotsman and he puts on his kilt and he gets his bagpipe out and he's, oh, dude, <laughs> he's, he's fighting the, uh, the cop who's been turned into a snake vampire. Yeah. And he's, he's like keeping yeah. him at bay with his, the sound of his bagpipes. But then Dude. as soon as he runs out of breath, <laughs> yeah, the cop oh lunges at him. <laughs> what a, what, what a, a scene where he's, he actually like, he's winded. He's like, Whew. yeah, he like has to spit the bagpipe out and gasp for air. And then like Constable so Ernie is like right on him. But he's like walking backwards and like marching the whole time at cadence. God, God, that was so mm. good. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, ends up like pulling a, he like pulls a hand grenade out from under his kilt crotch. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we get, I mean, they, they, um, I don't know, make this movie like even five years later, they could have probably done a more impressive snake coming out of the hole, but yeah, but they do it. They do a big snake head yeah. down a giant chasm and like Eve is hung up above it. She's gonna fall, um, but she gets saved, and Peter Peter Capaldi knocks uh, the snake woman into the snake's mouth, and she gets eaten. Mm-hmm. But that snake mouth was pretty good. I mean they they probably used too much footage of it because <laughs> it was like a giant. Agreed. I think they were very proud of the giant puppet that was made, mm-hmm. and it looked great. But it was like they they could have. I feel like they could have cut those scenes and made it a little more. Uh, scary mm-hmm. if you didn't show as much you know yeah but uh, but i appreciated that they they really put the effort into trying to have a big giant snake coming out of the ground that was cool i know good for them good for them but it just seemed like even the it, it just seemed like what they had was per, was just a perfect pairing to what the rest of the movie was about you know yeah just great it was great i, I can't believe great. I think I was always under I've I've the only thing I know about the movie was the the font really mm. the font of the title on on the movie cover and uh, I had some preconceived notions about what it was and this was just totally a hall of famer for me in terms of I just you know I just pictured something a lot more straight laced and demonic and late 80s you know but this was something completely different Totally. I think I was always expecting to be bored. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, you know, I kind of, kind of knew about Ken Russell, but I, but I just hadn't seen many of his movies. So I, I really, right. I really didn't know. And it, it's, and it's, I mean, but that's, what's great about it too. It's like, you kind of can't be spoiled for this. Like you're not like, no matter how much someone prepares you for <laughs> what it's like to watch this movie you're not going to be prepared and it's going to right it's such a it's it's its own thing it's very much its own thing it's a strange combination of things that were put together uh under the guise of a horror movie a pretty low budget horror movie too yeah um and yeah it's just it's surprising and now i'm like 
I gotta watch more Ken Russell movies for sure. Mm-hmm. I want to watch Gothic. I think that's next on my list, which is about Mary Shelley and her buds writing, like going to get drunk and do drugs and writing Frankenstein. <laughs> Sounds great. Mm-hmm. It does. And now, I mean, now that I know, like it's the same situation with that movie. I just, I know I like went to watch it many times, but I was like, eh, sounds kind of boring. But now, now that I kind of know, I'm not going to expect anything. I'm just going to go in, see where it takes me. See where it takes you. Yeah. I think that's all, uh, I think that's all I got here. Do you do you like any sort of banging? I'm not bad on the old mouth organ. <laughs> <laughs> Shit like that. Like even though like the like next to last line is Hugh Grant picking up uh, Peter Capaldi and he says, There we are, slither in. Just asking him to get in the car. <laughs> yeah. I wish we had a worm legend in America, Dale. We have a letter this week by our uh, sentinel of podcast, our guardian of the gates, TJ Hamilton. Tim. Hey, all. Where are all the other emailers and phone messages? I miss them. Plus, they need to call as I'm going on vacation next week. (laughs) No phones or email for me, just relaxing by a lake where I once saw a dead body. (laughs) Well, to be clear, the police were dragging it out. Never saw a dead body in the wild before. Not fun. No, he wasn't murdered. Tipped over in his canoe. Wow. This email turned dark. Sorry. Love the show, Tim. Tim, by God. Well, should we take the week off if he can't write in next week? If, If Tim isn't there to respond and write in, is anybody even listening? We don't have a, we, I don't think it's a show without, without a letter from him. I'm, I mean, uh, we could do for another week off. I'm, I'm not complaining. <laughs> right. Dale, did you ever see a dead body in the wild? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> um, boy, did I? No, I don't think I have. I don't think I have. I don't think I have. Not that I want to, but I right. want to, you know, it's not something you want to, but also like yeah. can't look away right one of those things yeah i'm saying tim hamilton though he's gonna be like watching the lake the entire time he's on vacation right because oh yeah just yeah. in ch- case it happens again might as well rename it dead body lake <laughs> at this point is that all you're gonna that's all you're gonna be thinking about sitting in that canoe right going out there yeah yeah hmm, it's I like you, when a, you could dead be body's next. gonna come floating by right yeah. Like a scene from like uh, Naked Gun where there's just like five canoes in the lake and they all just tip over. You know? Yeah. <laughs> or like Tim dips his toe in the water and like five dead bodies just roll up at once. <laughs> <laughs> Touch his toe. He just goes back, pours himself a cup of uh, coffee and just sits sits on the shore. That's it for him. That's all I need. I'm good. Yeah. I don't need to go on that lake. 
Oh, boy. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Tim. Enjoy your vacation. Thanks, Tim. And uh, that's it for this week. So now it's uh, the point in the show where we have to, we as a, as a, as a duo, pick next week's episode. <laughs> no. It's your turn, right? Ah, uh, I was hoping you wouldn't. I think I got it. I think I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm open. Uh, 1974. Okay. Sugar Hill. Sugar Hill. Sugar Hill, American horror black exploitation zombie film. Stars Marky Bay as the title character who uses voodoo to get revenge on the people responsible for her boyfriend's death. Wow. This has been on my radar, and it's fallen off my radar, but luckily I just I just came across it again, so here we are. That's cool. I had no idea. Like, from the title, I had no idea it was, like, even horror-related at all. <laughs> I know, right? You wouldn't, cool. you wouldn't suspect. Uh, boy, Chuck, and, and if that's all, then let's get the heck out of here, huh? Yeah, let's, let's wrap it up. Uh, someone please has to write, ha, someone please write a letter so, uh, TJ can enjoy his dead body lake vacation and in, in yeah. peace and not have to worry about us. Yeah. He's going to be uneasy thinking about us not having anything to do after the uh, main segment of the show. And I, ca- <laughs> I don't want to think about that either. Like how are we going to act? I hope if in that case, I hope it's a 20 minute show to be quite honest with you, but <laughs> that's just my choice. We can make that happen. <laughs> uh, and check out batandspider.com. You can find invites to our discord server there as well as some merchandise and uh, links to our letterboxd and stuff like that. Uh, and leave an iTunes review if you want. Otherwise, oh, yeah. Otherwise, we don't care what you're doing with your yeah, life. So just, just, just go for it. it. Yeah. Just live, live your it. life. We're just one part of your life. We're not the whole thing. Right. right? Yeah, we, yeah. Right. So just live your life. You know, like you're not beholden. Dale, I love you. Uh, I love you too, Chuck. Farewell. Farewell. Talk to you in a week. Bye. theme song was created by toby forsman of whipsong music find out more at whipsongmusic.com this 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 is a tape deck podcast